You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey friends, welcome to episode 99 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today we are talking about something that is probably going on in your garden already this time of year, and that is greens and maybe not quite herbs, but they will eventually. Greens and herbs going to seed and learning how to identify those seeds, how to save those seeds best practices for gathering, all that kind of good stuff. We're going to be talking about why you'll eventually want to let your plants go to seed, the symptoms, quote unquote, (laughs) that your plant uh, demonstrate when they are starting to go to seed, and then just the different ways that those seed pods and seeds kind of manifest themselves in those plants because it is very different from, you know, collecting seeds from that develop inside of fruit, like a squash or a tomato, what have you. So we're going to be going over all of that in today's episode, but first a word from our sponsor. So one of the best parts about growing heirloom herbs, fruits, and vegetables is that you can save seeds to grow more next year. But in order to do that, you kind of have to let those plants get a little bit out of control, especially the types of plants that don't develop seeds inside of a fruit, like I was talking about in the introduction. These are plants that develop seeds as a result of a flower being pollinated. So these are going to be leafy plants, things like spinach, lettuce, Swiss chard. These are going to be things like basil or cilantro, even like broccoli. I know when I talked about tips for growing broccoli, that a broccoli head is really just, you're eating a bunch of immature flower blossoms, right? And if you were to let it go ahead and blossom instead of picking it and eating it, those really tightly curled up green blossom heads would unfurl into these bright yellow, beautiful blossoms and eventually would set seed. So it's it's very different from what you think about when collecting seed. And it's really tempting to keep pinching the flowers off of herbs like basil or leafy greens like spinach and arugula until the season is is over to get them to keep producing those leaves. But at some point, you are going to want to let them go ahead and do their thing. And, and you're going to want to do this for a few reasons. So the first reason that you want to go ahead and, and let things, especially things that you planted in early spring or, or transplanted out in early spring, go to seed is that as those plants kick into reproductive mode, they get taller and they produce smaller leaves. So you'll notice that the amount of stem between leaf sets gets taller and taller. The leaves that they put out are smaller and smaller because they're not putting energy into leaves anymore. They're trying to put energy into 
producing flowers. And your picking off the flowers will kind of slow that down. It's called deadheading or pinching back. It will slow that down, but it, to some extent, it's going to kind of stop working and, and the plant is going to just kind of give up and wither and die. So you can go about things that way, especially if you don't need seed for next year. But if you do, it's good to go ahead and let them do their thing. So the second reason why it's good to go ahead and let them go is that many leafy greens and some herbs will actually develop a bitter taste later in the season when they start to go to seed. This is because the different chemicals inside them are, they're working differently, they're in different concentrations, and that bitter taste is a way of sort of discouraging foragers and helping ensure the plant's survival long enough to go ahead and produce those seeds and reproduce. So the leaves on the plants they, that they do produce after the plant kind of kicks into reproductive mode are not going to taste as good. So that's another reason why you should go ahead and, and just kind of let them go to seed. Last thing, and I've, and I've kind of already mentioned it, is letting them go to seed allows you to ensure that you have plenty of seed for next year's crop. Obviously, if you bought seed this year or you collected a bunch of seed a few years before, you know, you're not going to need to collect seed every single year. There are some crops, though, like I feel like leafy green crops, their seeds don't last too terribly well in storage or too terribly long in storage. You know, broccoli and things like that will last, like I've said in a previous episode, like five years or more. But I have found like spinach, lettuce, they can be kind of picky. So I kind of like to let them go to seed and collect seed every year. So in this episode, I'm going to go over some leafy green and herb seeds for those of you who are new to growing these types of things as examples of plants that will one, easily go to seed and kind of what they'll look like when they do. In addition to the verbal descriptions and that I'm going to give during this podcast episode, I do, as always, have pictures in the sister post that you can find on my blog, beandbasil.com, which will be linked in the show notes. And I feel like these are all great options to try if you're just starting out trying to save seeds from flowers. The great thing is, is once you've harvested seeds from a few kinds of plants, it honestly becomes pretty natural. You get the hang of or a feel for identifying seed pods as they develop. You kind of can just sort of innately sense like what's going to happen next, even if you've never tried it with that particular kind of plant before. And that's another thing that I that I really love about collecting seed and letting things go to seed. It just it helps you learn so much in general about a plant's reproductive cycle and, and how you can make the most of it. So without further ado, let's talk about my first thing that I recommend for saving seeds from. And it is probably trying to bolt or set seed this time of year uh, is spinach. So once you've had your fill of spinach in late May or early June, I always swear that I can never get enough spinach, but around this time of year, I'm like, okay, good on the spinach for a while. Go ahead and let it flower. The heat is largely going to do the work for you in this case. It causes the plants, the spinach plants, to quote-unquote bolt. So when a plant bolts, think, think about it like bolting upright. That's exactly what it does. It just shoots up super tall. And instead of staying low growing and 
focusing on producing leaves. It gets really tall and starts trying to produce flowers. It's kind of like a race at that point to develop seeds and reproduce before conditions become less than ideal for this process. There are some types of spinach, especially hybrid types of spinach, that are bred specifically to resist bolting. These hybrid types of seeds, and I've, I've probably said it, I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again, don't bother collecting hybrid seed. You might get lucky. You'll get some seedlings next year that'll maybe grow, breed, like, close to true, close to, you know, the parent plant that they came from the year before. But more, than, more often than not, it's probably not going to happen because hybrid seeds are a result of a cross-pollination. So you only want to collect seeds from heirloom plants. When your spinach plants start to go to seed, it's important to note that spinach plants are either male or female. And this is really kind of a cool special thing about them because they're the only leafy green that I know of that's like this, that grows a, a male and a female plant. So the male plant will produce pollen. The female plant will produce flowers. They don't look like a typical flower. They they kind of, they're all green. They don't have showy petals or anything like that. But the pollen from the male plant kind of gets blown over onto the female plants. And you'll notice that when the female spinach plants start to set seed, you'll be able to recognize them. They're just kind of green, little immature seed pods. And this can happen in late spring slash early summer if you planted your spinach in early spring. I have had better luck letting spinach go to seed in early summer just because, like I said, the heat kind of more easily triggers the plant to go ahead and bolt and produce seed. Now, if you are wanting to collect spinach seed, you're going to want to let the plants go completely dry and brown. And this is going to be the case for every single plant that we're about to talk about. A lot of times people will assume if the seed pod has developed, they can go ahead and they can pick the plant and let the seeds kind of dry on the pod. They can hang it up. And this isn't always the case, unfortunately. And I know that, that this is hard because a lot of us, myself included, have succession plantings scheduled for as soon as I pull that spinach out, I'm going to start beans or something else right behind it in the garden. So you might not always have the space for this, but you can, in the case of spinach, go ahead and pull out the male plants and just leave the female plants to go ahead and let the seed finish maturing and drying out. Once the plant has, I would say, like pretty much gone brown, even if it's not completely dried out yet, because that can take some time, obviously, with humidity, with rainstorms that come through. If the, if the plant is pretty much brown, you can go ahead and pull it up and hang it upside down and then allow the spinach seed to dry out indoors. 
I actually have, and there's a link to this in the sister post for this episode, I have a whole article just on how to harvest spinach seeds, complete with a video of what that plant looks like, what it's like to kind of gather those seeds off of the dried plant. So if you're interested in that, you'll want to check out um, the sister post for this episode. The next plant that I would say is really, really easy to let go to seed and collect seeds from is another leafy green, and that is arugula. I love arugula. And if you feel like there's nothing you could do to keep your arugula from from bolting, you're right. Because arugula prefers cooler weather, like a lot of leafy greens. In fact, once, once daytime temperatures get reliably warm, whether you pinch back that flower head or not, the leaves of arugula start to get really pretty bitter and the stems start to grow thick and tough and hairy and, and you really have to do a lot of picking off if you if you still want to be eating the arugula at that point. So if it's started to bolt, honestly, I just let it go. Seed pods on arugula they develop really differently from spinach. So arugula doesn't have female and male plants. It's kind of just all on one plant. And the arugula plants develop these really pretty, delicate, little four-petaled white flowers. And the seed pods develop once the flowers fall off. They start out, the seed pods start out very thin. They, they really kind of look like nothing, honestly. And if you, if you didn't know any better, you, you might not know at all where the seeds come from. But the longer you leave the plant in the ground, those seed pods that are left, they fatten up. And they're ready to harvest, actually, once they've kind of fattened up and, and you can kind of hear the seeds rattling around in those seed pods. Again, though, just like spinach, it's best to leave it in the garden. If you can't, try to at least wait until the seed pods are nice and fat and the plants have kind of started to go yellow, hopefully a little brown, and then you can pull the stalks out and hang them upside down to dry. Even if you don't need seed, if you don't have an a succession planting planned, I mean, leave it out there for as long as possible pollinators seem to really really like arugula flowers and it's it's really nice to just give them that extra little bit of support. The next leafy green that I'm going to recommend that you let go to seed is mustard greens and if you haven't grown mustard greens before and you might not because not everybody knows about them I feel like everybody thinks about spinach and lettuce to some extent swiss chard and kale but mustard greens are one of my favorite leafy greens to grow in the garden. They're kind of like collard greens, but they're more tender. And they have a tiny bit of heat, a tiny bit of spiciness to them. Kind of like how, you know, mustard is kind of sharp and a little bit spicy. Mustard greens are really great for livening up salads raw, but they're also really great stir-fried or in casseroles and, and soups. So they're incredibly versatile. I love growing them. And when they go to seed, when mustard greens go to seed, they are so pretty. So mustard is actually a brassica. It's related to broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, 
all that good stuff in, in the brassica family. And the flowers that they produce are very similar to the bright yellow flowers that you would see if you were to let a broccoli head go ahead and flower. But mustard plants, they send up this big tall shoot and they put out these multiple little clouds of bright yellow flowers and a lot like arugula as the flowers are pollinated and they fall off they leave behind the seed pods that begin to develop and fatten up and it's funny because the plant just keeps growing taller and taller and taller and taller throughout the early summer and it almost looks like a little like ladder of seed pods on either side of the stem Try to let the pods fatten up and dry on the stalk, like I've talked about already. You're going to get sick of me saying it if you can spare the time and the space for them to do so. If you harvest seed before it's fully developed, like I said, it's not going to germinate. Quick disclaimer, though, because I have tried this myself. If you're wanting to collect mustard seed to make your own mustard at home, not just any mustard plant... (laughs) (laughs) will do. I have learned this the hard way after hours of painstakingly uh, collecting mustard seed. Yeah, that that you have to have the right variety. So that is going to be a Brassica nigra, Brassica alba, or Brassica juncea. And those are going to be the ones that you're going to want to grow if you're wanting to make your own mustard at home, which I still think would be fun and I kind of still want to try it. But I'm a little traumatized from, you know, trying to collect the wrong kind of seed and wasting all of that time. Next up, I have a few herbs that are really, really great for you to try collecting seed from. So cilantro, just like arugula, is one of those plants that really definitely prefers cooler weather. So when the weather starts to heat up, the plant goes to bolt and it produces these little umbels of flowers. So an umbel, I always try to think of like mnemonic devices to help me you know, remember what words mean, but an umbel, I always think of like an umbrella. Think of it like an umbrella of flowers. And the word umbel is very similar to like umbrella. And that's what cilantro does, these little white umbels. And eventually they will, when pollinated, go to seed and produce What you're used to seeing and what you call coriander produces coriander seed. If you didn't know it already, coriander is the seed for cilantro. The first time I learned this when I started gardening, it blew my mind. Even if you don't need cilantro seed, I would still recommend that you let your cilantro go to seed so that you can use the coriander in cooking. I have only started using coriander in my cooking the past few years, but I absolutely love it. It has kind of like this citrusy slash peppery slash floral flavor profile to it. And it is delicious in a lot of different things. I have my little mortar and pestle and I grind it up fresh. I love smelling it like after it's freshly ground. It's delicious. It produces pretty large, you know, round seeds. So it is pretty easy to collect those seeds. I would just say that when you clip them off of the flower, 
kind of let them drop into like a paper bag or something because once they're really dried out, the seed can kind of fall off pretty easily. That doesn't typically happen with a lot of other these things that I've been talking about. The seed adheres pretty pretty firmly to the stalk, but I have noticed for cilantro it can get pretty delicate and fall off pretty easily. The last type of herb that I'm going to recommend, it's another herb that I recommend you try collecting seed from, is what I'm going to say is probably going to be the most difficult to collect, and that's just because of how tiny, tiny, tiny the seeds are, and that is basil. So again, not a leafy green, What one of my favorite herbs. I put it in all of the things in the summertime, and it's super easy to let go to seed. Of course, it goes to seed much later in the season than leafy greens and cilantro do because basil actually likes hot weather. So you won't see it, you know, starting to really try to go to seed until sometime in early August. And if you have enough basil, you've harvested it, you've dried it, you've frozen it, whatever it is, however you like to store basil, go ahead and just stop pinching off the flowers in early August or when the leaves start to get bitter. You'll notice that after several attempts at trying to go to flower, basil sometimes will, depending on the variety, start to get a little bit bitter in in terms of the leaves, how they taste. Basil seed pods don't really look like pods. They look more like flat, spade-shaped leaves. They're kind of left behind, just like these other kind of leafy greens that I've mentioned. They're left behind after the little white flowers are pollinated and and fall off. Pollinators absolutely love basil flowers. So you know what? Even if you really, really want to keep producing all of those basil leaves, maybe let like one or two plants go to flower just for the bees and the butterflies. Just like the arugula and the mustard and the spinach, do your best to let the basil seed pods get brown and crispy before trying to harvest them. The crispier the seed pods are, the easier it's going to be to separate out the seeds from them. So this is another thing that I have a video for, and it's also linked in the sister post, how to collect basil seeds. It does take a little while because like I said, basil seeds are very small. And when you crumble up all of the seed pods and everything, you've got a lot of detritus there that you're kind of trying to sift through your with your fingertips. If you have you know problems with farsightedness, it's hard for you to see things up close then I definitely recommend getting a magnifying glass or uh, putting on a pair of readers. Thankfully, I'm not there yet with my eyesight, but I'm sure in the next five to 10 years, I will be. It does get easier. The more times you do it, the longer you do it. So if at first you're like, I don't see any seeds here whatsoever, Shauna, you're insane. Um, I promise you they're there. They're just a little difficult to see. So Those are, I would say, the five things that I recommend you give a try letting go to seed and collecting seed from for the following year. If you're new to gardening, if you're new to letting things go to seed, saving seed, that kind of thing. As always, you know, once you have picked out your seed, you've harvested it, 
Make sure that it's completely dry. Once I harvest my seeds, even if the pods were brown and crispy, I leave the seed out for probably another week, just like sitting on a paper towel spread out or a piece of parchment paper spread out. I don't like to put it in containers right away or in a bowl right away because sometimes I've found it can be a little damp still and the stuff at the bottom of the bowl that's not getting any air circulation will actually start to become moldy. That happened to me with my mustard seed and, and it was really disappointing. So make sure that you, you know, let it sit out for a little while after you harvest it. And then once it is good and dry again, you know, moisture is the enemy of seed saving. So put it in a clean, dry container. It can be it can be a paper envelope, but that's totally fine. If you don't trust your seed saving environment and you want something that's a little more airtight, uh, a glass jar is is totally fine. And then put it in a dark, cool, dry place. So heat is also another enemy of seeds. So we want to make sure that wherever we're putting our seeds, just making sure it's cool dry and then darkness is of course just just going to help with the the cool factor so those are all my tips for beginner seed collecting what i feel like are the easiest plants in the next episode i'm really excited because i don't know if you guys heard me say it but this is episode 99 and i love round numbers who doesn't love round numbers come on Next episode is episode 100, and I'm excited about it because I'm going to be talking all about how to grow elderberries. I have put together a complete guide on how to grow elderberries. Uh, Our adventure with growing elderberries has been a lot of fun. It's been really rewarding. We've done it as part of trying to turn part of our yard into like an edible landscaping thing, little mini orchard slash pollinator or oasis slash native flower and plant haven (laughs) it is it is all things as as many suburban yards must be when you don't have a ton of acreage but I'm really excited to share with you everything I know about how to grow elderberries in the next episode so until then thank you so very much for listening if you haven't had a chance to yet please go on out to your podcatcher of choice and rate the podcast I did have one lovely listener tell me recently that Spotify does not give you a way to rate a podcast, which is kind of a bummer. So yeah, if you are loving the podcast, if you have something you want me to talk about, you can drop me a line on Instagram. You can send me an email at bandbasil, and that's bandbasil at gmail.com. Otherwise, Thanks for listening so much, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.